0: Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Danny Crowell with Equity Connect and she's here to share how she's wholesaled and flipped over a thousand homes in her career. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, broker and owner of Stunning Homes Realty and founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only app you need for wholesaling. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires, so please private message me if you ever need any help with your business. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a reminder, I do not charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this, so here's all I ask. Um, If you get value out of this show, please tell a friend. Either share this episode right now, tag a friend below, or tell them your best takeaway from the show later on. That way we can all grow together. And again, this is a live show, so please post your questions and Danny will be happy to answer them. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, so what got you into real estate?
1: All right. Well, um, we'll start out with, I have a degree in finance. And so I um, studied finance knowing that I was basically going to be managing money in some fashion someday, hopefully owning my own business. And um, so after I graduated, I was very unsure of what I was going to do. I never really did an internship or anything. I just kind of knew I was going to own my own business, and um, it didn't really come to me as quickly as I had hoped. So Mm -hmm. I was uh, bartending actually. And um, I met an investor working at the bar and uh, kind of understood, this was back in 2011. Okay. So I kind of uh, was talking to him and uh, he was in from LA. So he would come to uh, Phoenix, uh, do some work here, go back to LA on the weekends and stuff like that. So um, he was investing in single family homes and buying straight on the courthouse steps. And so um, he was he kind of he invited me down one day uh, to come to his office and just take a look at the operation. And it wasn't much of an operation. It was kind <laughs> of it was him in the back of a house um, buying and selling real estate because back then it was it was if you had cash, um, it was easy to find homes. It
0: was easy money back then.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, basically, he was just kind of doing that, and I was like, well, you know do you need somebody to help you kind of manage the office it was just him mm-hmm. and so uh, i was like how can i help if there's any way i can help i'd love to learn and kind of figure it out and at the time i didn't really know what of an opportunity this really was mm-hmm. but it was huge for me because um, he needed somebody i realized he didn't even have files he didn't have he didn't <laughs> know what properties he owned they they bought so many properties back then that they were just kind of like. I mean, there was a there were spreadsheets everywhere, and they didn't quite know what, exactly what they had. They knew right. they were in an opportunity to make money, so um, they I. They were making in, enough
0: money where they can afford to just lose track of things, and they be yeah. totally fine.
1: And they didn't even know how much money they were making because they weren't doing their books. I mean, <laughs> we're talking. They just knew there was an opportunity. They had the cash to yeah. um, capitalize on it, and so what I did was I came in and I kind of saw that as an opportunity for me to, um, you know, I. He was like I don't know what you're going to do but here's a computer and you can kind of figure it out from there <laughs> which was awesome because yeah. um I kind of went in and I organized everything um he didn't have QuickBooks so I got QuickBooks I hired somebody to teach me QuickBooks mm-hmm. cuz he didn't I didn't know he didn't know so now then I learned QuickBooks I kept everything organized um and he was back and forth every week and then after a period of time he kind of started coming less and less mm-hmm. so it forced me to kind of pick up the slack and start learning. Because
0: you were picking up more of the slack or because there were fewer, fewer opportunities for him?
1: There were, no, there were was, was so many opportunities, but he was able to do what he did from afar. He was just, oh, I, see. I mean, he'd be on the phone with the guy down at the auction and the mm-hmm. auction, um, they'd be saying, you know, go up five more grand, five more grand, that's it. You know? So he was able to do that from his house yeah. and he had people here. And so with me managing the office, I just kind of started picking up the slack from there. So, um, the opportunity was there. So I basically went from managing the office to, we started doing like construction and stuff. So I would kind of go and see the properties. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my scariest tasks was that I had to kind of, when we would buy a house, I would have to go there, knock on the door and introduce myself because he didn't have somebody to do that. Yeah, so,
0: that's an awful job.
1: Yeah, but you know, it, I learned from the ground up. Right. That it was a good opportunity for me to kind of be thrown into it under somebody who um, had the means to be able to capitalize in that time, which was cool. So. so
0: I used to do that for REOs. Oh, you did? Yeah. And so uh, I, I listed foreclosures for a little bit. And I remember, you know, after a couple of very confrontational conversations, mm-hmm. I was thinking I need to get a bulletproof vest. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I was <laughs> looking up bulletproof suits for a little bit, but then I realized I couldn't afford those. So <laughs> we stopped doing that. Yeah, I got
1: yeah. I ended up getting a gun and everything because I was yeah. like, I don't know what I'm going to come across, you know, one day. So exactly. Yeah, so anyway, we would be I'd be going into houses and taking a look and writing down what I thought needed to be done mm-hmm. and it was it was a time where people were losing their homes but then also needed a home to live in, so they mm-hmm. were renting and the rent was going up and it was just super stable and the uh, property prices were I mean, I, we were buying what we're buying now for 140, back then for between 10 and 30, yeah. you know? So what we were doing was we were putting them from um, REOs or the trustee sales, um, getting them just turnkey for rentals, which was, took like 10 grand to do because the cost of construction was so low at that time too. All
0: right. A lot of labor available.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we did that, put a renter in there and then we would do like five, 10, 15 of them and then flip them to out of state investors, out of country investors. And then we would manage their properties in house.
0: So you're creating cash flow properties. Yeah. And you're selling those. Yep.
1: Selling them in packages. With equity. Yeah. Yeah. With equity. Um, well, we were selling them for quite a bit. So yeah. you know, but but still, then we were managing in house. And I mean, they still the investors still knew that they had opportunity to make more money as mm-hmm. you know, time was going to go on, they had a long term strategy. So we just kept them in house. And uh, so yeah. Uh, and then when it came time that they wanted to sell, I was licensed at the time. Um, and then I represented them on the sale as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So so how'd you go from there to equity connect?
1: Um, well, that was 2011 through 2013 ish. Mm-hmm. And then in 14 is when the market started to shift and it became more of like you had to buy and put value into it and then list it. You couldn't just buy and then necessarily sell tomorrow for a profit. So right. we um, started to do more uh, construction, which was difficult to turn what well the we were same doing guys? That's exactly my point. Yeah. The same guys were not the guys that were going to be adding, you know, nice tile and doing va- mm-hmm. you know, value add construction. Right. So no, we, we ended up kind of shifting the model there. And then the investor that I was working with, he wasn't quite as interested in doing those types of s- flips. The opportunity wasn't there as much anymore. So mm-hmm. Um, I actually brought my family in, my parents, and uh, we started to do more and more renovations with them, which was cool, it gave us an opportunity to work together. And my parents were the money and I was in there just doing the work. It's a good situation. Yeah, my sister was, she was there to root us on, but, mm-hmm. cause she was in California, but she would right. come back and forth. And so we tag teamed that and that was a good opportunity. And then from there, um, we found it difficult to find properties. So that's when Jesse, you know, Jesse, mm-hmm. he, uh, he was like, I, I know this guy. Let me introduce him to you. Mm. You know, you guys, let's see if we can do something with this. He's starting a wholesale operation. You know, you're looking for properties. Let, let me introduce you. So mm-hmm. what I didn't know was he introduced Jared in a way that was like, you need to meet my investor. apparently I'm this investor that he mm-hmm. wanted to introduce. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story because Jared goes into the uh, meeting with me thinking that I'm this older woman. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> like he doesn't know what he's walking into. And right we go in and we meet each other and, and I'm who I am. I was mm. five years younger at the time or whatever, four yeah. years younger. So um, that's when we kind of decided to partner up and, and create Equity Connect.
0: Okay, I see. Yeah. Um, so what were some of your struggles then when you started Equity Connect?
1: Yeah, that was, I mean, it was tough to get off to a start because um, at that time I was kind of, walking away from my um, partnership and my um, working relationship with the investor that I was working with at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never really truly like worked for myself, like, you know, with expenses and with um, profit and losses that were actually my profit right. and losses. Right. You actually had to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, it was a true learning experience. Um, it was a good one. I mean, mm-hmm. we worked in one of my uh, rooms in my house that I owned, so I had everybody come to the uh, house every day. And the we space would, was affordable. Yeah, exactly. At least we yeah. didn't have to pay rent, which right. we can't say now. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was good, but it was a learning experience. We Mm -hmm. didn't have deals just falling in our laps like we hoped. You know, we were on a round robin. We had our website and we were on a round robin. So Jesse, Jared, and I, we would get the phone calls and talk to homeowners. So So it was
0: at that time just the three of you? Yes, exactly,
1: at that time. Um, And then we brought in a fourth partner who Mm -hmm. I was doing some uh, larger construction projects with, Hillary Hobson. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, Hillary has an eye for marketing. I don't know if you've talked to her about. Um, do you know Hillary? No. I don't know Hillary no. Okay, so she um, she's she's amazing at marketing. She's just got an eye for it, and so she brought in um, Tommy and Dustin, who do our they're our marketing partners, and they mm-hmm. do our website. Yeah. And so um, she we, we just uh, she was able to bring uh, something to the table that we didn't quite have, which was uh, just a marketing um, process and, and strategy. So. Um, Yeah, with that, we were able to kind of scale our business up a little bit from there. And we went from doing, you know, four or five deals a month here in Phoenix to Mm -hmm. doing nationwide, like 20 deals a month (laughs) nationwide. Yeah. Which was, we grew too quickly. We didn't quite know what the heck we were doing. And, you know, to do, to go from that to like being in North Carolina or in some other state and you don't know their rules, you don't know their laws, you don't know, you know, the difference between um, something that's built on you know, wood or on, uh, on a slab. It's just, you're in, in a different league. So. It's a whole
0: nother world. Yeah. So Jared was this fancy wholesaler, mm-hmm. right? Five years ago.
1: No, he was not
0: um, <laughs> a little bit of a bait and switch on both parties.
1: Yes, exactly. It was <laughs> a bit, exactly.
0: Okay. So, uh, I had a couple people mention to me, they reached out to me the last, uh, week, uh, since the meeting, uh, interview with Josiah and they're like, Hey, you know, we love all this content is motivational stuff, but Uh, We don't have like a blueprint. Like how do we get started? So is that something that you can share with me? Like, you know, like the first three five things you would do if you were starting a wholesale flip operation tomorrow Mm Where are like the first three five things you would do
1: sure Um, if I was going to start I Know what I'm good at Mm -hmm. and I know that I'm not good at certain things like the marketing side doesn't come naturally to me I Mm -hmm. have a finance degree so partnering you can't say that you can just go partner with anybody but partnering with somebody that is kind of the yin to your yang in a way is Mm -hmm. is super helpful I that was good for me it's not for everybody Um, but uh, I guess so that you can kind of sit down put a plan together I, I would say that when we started we didn't quite know what our end game was, but we knew that we just wanted to kind of start and and start getting deals. I would say that sit down and be real with yourself about what uh, your end wants, what you want it to look like at the end, and Mm -hmm. then work backwards. If you want to start, uh, if you want to have a passive lifestyle with a bunch of rentals, then start with that in mind and try to cater your business to that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to have a passive operation, which was, you know, something that Jared and I definitely wanted, then start with a plan to eventually get there through hiring and and, and strategic, you know, build with the end in mind, basically. Yeah. Um, I would also say that if you get in with a good contractor, um, be willing to give up more. To your contractor then um you know don't try to get the cheapest yeah. contractor if you're flipping um you're gonna get what you pay for and trust me i've been through some of the worst <laughs> so uh, you know like on this on this large project we just did i partnered with my contractor mm-hmm. and he had um some skin in the game to you know get it done on time on budget and um, I was willing to give up more because I trusted that I was outside of my league on the scope of work, mm-hmm. and um, so I trusted that his word would would have my best interest at heart as well as his. So, like I said, give up give up a little more. Don't be so cheap at the beginning. Uh,
0: when you say give the contractor skin in the game, like mm-hmm. what is that? Well, I gave to? up.
1: I gave up. It was just a kind of a joint venture agreement that we wrote mm-hmm. up a contract. Yeah. Um. And he gets a percentage of the back end of mm-hmm. the, uh, when we go to sell.
0: Of oh, the net profit? Of
1: the net profit, yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, every day that we don't sell it, he, you know, that comes out of his pocket too. So mm-hmm. he wants to, he's urged to Speed of sales cri- is critical. Yeah, or exactly. Speed budget. to market mm-hmm. and... Yeah, watch the budget and get, get to market and all those yep. things. Yeah, so that and, um... Honestly, don't, um, don't be so quick to make decisions. Make sure that things are um, et- like ethically the way that you want to do them, mm-hmm. because cutting corners might get you in the long run. Um, I don't know if that helps, but that's, that's something that's helped me along the way.
0: Can you give me an example?
1: Um, I, could, I guess there's certain times where you're going to come across a seller who wants to sell. And I'm trying to think of a situation. Um, I wish I could give you an example. This has come up a lot in my life though, where I've said no to quick cash. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, it, it helped me by um, people knew that I was the person who would say no to that mm-hmm. and yes to doing the right thing. And then, right. you know, more money comes to you when people know that that's how you operate. Karma
0: pays back, pays off. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, you know, you had some bad experiences with cheap contractors. Yes. So some of the worst experiences. Mm -hmm. Where are some of those experiences so so these guys can learn from your experience versus doing it on their own?
1: For sure. Um, Okay, one of the worst ones was I got in, and this is is some good advice, is so I had two large projects, two Arcadia, like almost ground-up projects, Mm -hmm. and I took them on at the same time. So... First things first, don't go so outside of your comfort zone yeah. and do two at the same time. And that's what I did. I went from doing my, you know, let's say $25,000 scopes of work straight to two, $200,000 scopes of work. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I like to push <laughs> the envelope a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I want to get to where I want to be quickly and right. um, just that's maybe just grow into it and don't mm-hmm. cut corners and, so what I did was I was recommended to work with this contractor through a friend and mm-hmm. I didn't vet him properly. Hillary and I, actually, she was my partner in this. And so we went in um, to these projects and we just kind of trusted his scope of work. It was the, his bids were maybe 60% of what any other closer bid was. So mm-hmm. it was much cheaper to go with this person. All right. He and, bought the business, uh-huh.
0: he bought the deal or yeah. the, the, the work.
1: Yes, exactly. So, Anyway, we go in. He's like I need um I need 30% upfront or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um that should be a red flag because we were not um into even permitting yet or anything like that. You don't need that amount of money that early on. Right. So, red flag, and I should have seen it and I didn't. I had money to spend and I had like money that I was hoping to make and I just I saw that happening quicker th- than Re- reality really is going to allow, really. Your eyes are
0: bigger than your stomach. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so, um, we started the construction project. We basically, I, I paid him those deposits and then, um, he, one of them, he stopped. I, I started getting calls that the uh, subs weren't getting paid oh. and we hadn't quite started the other project yet.
0: And we're talking about 30% of 200,000.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the subs weren't getting paid and I paid both at the same time. I remember it was New Year's Eve and I had For to For both the projects with one contractor? Yes.
0: So 120 grand mm-hmm. wow okay
1: yeah and it, and a third project too we were doing so um his subs weren't getting paid just things were not adding up like we would go there and you could tell that they hired somebody at home depot to do the drywall and mm-hmm. it was it was uh you know a smooth finish that was like more like a, a knockdown it just didn't look right it was mm-hmm. just janky you could see the seams um there was just it was shoddy work and so we started looking into it his con his like foreman His foreman was like missing a tooth and like it just, things weren't adding up. Sure enough, um, he got his license on January something of that year Mm -hmm. and it was like March 1st when I noticed that something wasn't adding up and I looked up his license online and he had 18 18 um, reports on his license. In two months. In two months.
0: That's pretty impressive.
1: <laughs> because it's from when he was acting without a license. Oh, when he finally I see. got a license, he racked him up all quickly. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so um, anyway, so I, I was like, stop work. Stop right now. Do not go any further. Like, don't order anything else. Like, we hadn't started the other project yet. And mm-hmm. I was like, I want my money back on this other one. Like, we'll finish this one off. You know, I'll work with you. We're gonna, we're gonna get this done but this one you need to stop. And this was, these were major remodels. This guy had no business contracting work. Mm -hmm. He's like, I have 40 crews. He said all these great things that he has. No, he didn't have any Sold well. Yeah, he sold well. He was a salesman and he sold me.
0: Did you get your money back on the second project?
1: I didn't get a penny back. Really? I didn't get one dime back. And I was, I had a third project and we were exposed to him too. Anyway, after all of this, he's like, I call him. I'm like, I want my money back. And he's like, you're not, you're not getting your money back. You know, you're going to have to sue me for it. Wow. So I sued him (laughs) and we won. But then he. what did you win? (laughs) We won 250,000. I know, but (laughs) he closed up shop, right? He closed up shop and it was under an LLC. And he said, sue me, sue sue me personally. And then he skipped town.
0: That sucks. Valuable lesson.
1: Valuable lesson. If it looks too good to be true, it's it's for sure too good to be true. Right.
0: Um, Let's see. What would you attribute your success to?
1: my success um i would say in recent years um just really hard work Mm -hmm. um i would say jared and i work something like 70 hours a week probably even more really yeah each each yeah jared even more than me i have to say he is his work ethic is yeah uh something to admire for sure um for me um I, going back to the ethical thing I think that's something that people would say about me is is I'm ethical and and I I also push the envelope mm-hmm. I, I like to take risks so right. those are those are things that I attribute my success to
0: okay uh, and then I read your profile that you're a third-generation investor yeah so let's talk about that
1: sure so um, my grandparents, my mom's parents, they own a an apartment building down mm-hmm. in uh, Milwaukee, which is where we're from. okay. and um so they they have rentals. The stories I hear is that my grandma, like she would go in and evict people and, you know, just all these things that grandma's like, this
0: grandma, like, like, is an image you' like her?
1: This tall, and she... The one that bakes the cookies? Y- is the one she's not a, a cookie baker, no. no this okay. person, she was... And she passed away a couple of years ago, but she was... I mean, the stuff that they've seen in these apartment buildings, mm-hmm. I'm told that there were, like, several instances of dead bodies and stuff like that. And she's the one who would go in and find these people. And, like, I think she even cleaned up a few of those. <laughs> she was a strong lady. Different time. Yeah, I know. And then... <laughs> but they still own it. They sold it to my uncle, and or they worked out a deal, so... Mm-hmm. That's still in the family. And then my dad and my mom, um, they were in the Harley business. Mm. And uh, okay. yeah, so that's where the Harley enthusiast comes from. Right. Um, my parents worked for Harley Corporate um, in Milwaukee, and then they moved out to Reno. We all moved out to Reno in 2005 or something like that to buy a dealership, mm-hmm. and so um, we owned the Harley business and then and so that's where my sister and I worked all through high school and everything And then my dad he bought the, the dealership building and then all the real estate around it. Oh, yeah So like all the dealerships that were around it and different buildings. So he's somebody that I have learned a lot from
0: Oh, that's pretty good resource to have <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I I mean he's great. He's great in business. He's a consultant for mm-hmm. other dealers now. He ended up selling his business, but he consults for other people. So he, I get to it rubs off on me. He gets to help me with my business.
0: Very cool. So you own you own a Harley?
1: <clears throat> no. No. Okay. <laughs> I I have my license and I've ridden plenty, but I don't own one. Uh,
0: so there's a you know we have a lot of friends in this business, right? Friends, peers, competitors, right? Mm-hmm. We're all running in the same circle. For sure. How are you different? Uh, or, than you know our friends
1: um I can't speak for everyone because mm-hmm. I do see some people doing you know big things out there Josiah you just had they have yeah. and Jamil they have a fantastic business um yeah. we're all kind of learning from each other too because we definitely yeah are. I mean everybody's got different things going on mm-hmm. you've got you know this stuff going on which is awesome um you know Jared and I would love to do more um like social media and stuff like that just more presence in this industry yeah so we all have a lot to learn from each other Um, But our business, I think, is built or we're building it um, Mm -hmm. actively. Like all the work that we put in our 70 hours is not spent on doing deals. Mm -hmm. We're building a business that's going to work for us. We've got a team of 14 people that, um, you know, salespeople, we've got an analyst, Um, we've got a transaction coordinator and administrative staff. So we've got all these different roles that we're hiring out to let our business run for itself. Mm -hmm. We're creating a great culture for everybody to work in. And so I would say our business is built for the long run to kind of operate on its own rather than us doing deals that might differentiate us.
0: When do you plan on not being actively involved anymore? You and Jared.
1: We finally just hired out our last position. Which is? Our transaction coordinator. Okay. We just uh, changed transaction coordinators. So um, and the analyst was a huge role to, to hire out. Now, anytime I want a property comp, I just send it to her mm-hmm. and she, she'll look all into it, all that. So um, I would say we're never gonna be fully removed, but we're mm-hmm. gonna be able to do the more creative deals, focus yeah. on like some of like larger deals, more multifamily, stuff like that, and let the single family operation run itself. Right, So. okay. Within the next year, I'd hope.
0: Cool, very cool. Um, so we touched on this a little bit, what is your role exactly at uh, Equity Connect?
1: Sure. Um, so our business is twofold. We've got our wholesale side, which is we look at it as more of an acquisition part of our business, um, and that those acquisitions come in and we determine whether they're going to go into the investment side or be wholesaled. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to be wholesaled, these they stay in kind of Jared's arena. He mm-hmm. manages dealing with. Um, the, the buyers, and he kind of runs that side. I'm more on the investment side. So if we decide to purchase that property, I'm determining who we're going into it with as, a, as an investor. Mm-hmm. Um, like we have different investors that we work with that'll partner with us on private capital, deeds of trust, stuff like that. So I'm managing that. Um, I also handle all of the like just administrative side of the business, anything like all of our um, tax strategies, stuff like that. uh, Keeping the books up to date so we can actively look at the books as a tool rather than just a tax return at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So we're we're managing our revenue, expenses, stuff like that. So that's on my side with the finance degree. That's kind of comes natural to me.
0: So we talked about investment partners. Um, I mean, at any one time, how many investment partnerships do you have? Or flips going on with these investor partners?
1: Sure. Um, right now, we own I'd say about thirty or so properties. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's they're
0: in the process of being flipped.
1: They're either on the market. They're rentals. We actually our long-term play now is to mm-hmm. uh, rent them out. So we have I think I don't know maybe. F- seven of them are actually rented and sitting aside, you know, for the long term play. So they're cash flowing, they're, uh, we have investors in them, but they have to season before we can get the long term financing in mm-hmm. place. So um, I would say we've got like seven projects or eight projects right now, everything else is finished.
0: Okay. Um, and then the, the ones that you've got tied up that you're renting mm-hmm. with the investor money, uh, those investors don't want to go long term?
1: They're, they're too expensive for long term.
0: Okay, I see. Yeah, because that's that's one of the things that uh, Eric Sage was a previous guest and he's got them, I guess, he's borrowing at like 7%. And they'll do it for 30 years.
1: Uh, private capital? Yeah. Hmm, I it's might like, wanna talk to him. Yeah, you
0: do wanna, yeah, definitely connect with Eric. And yeah. then the other ones where you're flipping, mm-hmm. what is your arrangement if you can share with your sure. investor partners?
1: Yeah, um, so, Jared and I are kind of in a growth strategy. We're trying to not use because what we've done in the recent past is that we've used our own capital a Mm -hmm. lot on like uh, the debt service, the um, the the renovation, stuff like that. That's not a scalable business for Mm -hmm. us. We want to be able to keep our capital, you know, um, compartmentalized to the acquisitions. And um, and so what we're trying to do is structure everything to be pretty much 100 percent financed. Mm -hmm. And so um, right now we've been using a company called Anchor Loans and they're um, lending to us, I don't know if they'd want us to say, but we have really good rates with them. Single digits. Um, oh yeah. Okay. And then um, we've got, and that's at 95% mm-hmm. loan to value. So that's a hu- and we also assign to ourselves so that we can make sure that our acquisition company is paid in full mm-hmm. for the marketing and stuff. So we assign to ourselves. So essentially it's almost 100% financing. Right. Um, and then if we want to take on an equity partner, which usually I do, Um, I take, let's say the renovation's gonna be 25 grand, I'll take that 25 grand Mm -hmm. from an equity partner and we'll do, it's usually about 10 and two or so for a second, Mm -hmm. 10% two points or 11% two points.
0: Yeah, okay, so um, everything is financing. There's no share of the profits.
1: I do do a share of the profits. Um, I'll tell you about this deal that we just did uh, in Vegas. It's Mm -hmm. a larger property. Um, We had it in contract a year and a half ago. Yeah. And um, the seller actually signed with a real estate agent to list the home. So the listing agent, when he came to sell to us, the listing agent threw a fit. So she sued him for Mm. it. And so during that time, that took a year to uh, resolve that lawsuit. So we had to pay everything for that seller, all of their legal fees, all of their, they had a hard money loan, the homeowner did. So we paid their, they had no money. Yeah. And in order to make sure this deal went through, we had to front, it was about $80,000 in front co- in fronted costs for wow. them to be able to resolve this lawsuit with her, us to get the deal, and then, you know. So it finally closed a couple months ago, mm. and so what I did was I worked with an investor who, and it's actually my dad, he, he partnered with us mm. on it. Um, he lent all those upfront uh, costs, and I gave him 15% of the backend plus 8% uh, return on his money
0: oh awesome uh so dwayne murphy <laughs> wants to know um how much real estate do you own personal you and jared
1: um i think we touched on this it, i think we have about 30 or so right now
0: 30 mm-hmm. okay uh and then uh are they predominantly single family or multifamily or a mix
1: it's all single family
0: single family mm-hmm. okay and then nathan Cass wants to know who's the lender it was it anchor anchor loans anchor loans yeah
1: they're really good to work with um, are they local they're not they're out of california okay so anything local We use uh, Bench Equity. They're super easy to work with. You gotta make sure that you have a backup because sometimes they run out of funding. But, Mm -hmm. um, so Anchor's been really, really easy to work with. They can usually get it done in a couple of days.
0: Cool. Uh, So one of the things you also talked about was creative deal structuring. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: what is creative deal structuring?
1: Okay. Um, So uh, we've done multiple different types of deals, especially, I mean, in wholesale and direct to homeowner acquisitions, you are privy to a lot of circumstances that people are in when they mm-hmm. want to sell, but they don't quite know how to sell because of one thing or another. Yeah. Um, and one kind of, one thing I just touched on was that one where we fronted all the money and then we got paid back at close yeah. of escrow. They're risky deals, but they're the most lucrative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we had another one I'll tell you about, and it was a partial interest buyout. Um, there was a homeowner that wanted to sell, but the woman's uh, boyfriend's, her husband's ex-wife or something like that, she was on title two. <laughs> so you have like wife one and wife two on title. Wow. And they don't like each other at all. Yeah. <laughs> they won't even talk to each other. The
0: guy was not very sharp.
1: Yeah, I know. But he passed away, so he, so they were fend- fending for themselves oh, at wow. that point. Wow, okay. So... One of them came to us. The other one did not want to talk to us. And the one who came to us, we we said, well, we'll work with you, but we're going to need this for a significant discount because Mm -hmm. we're going to have to go talk to this other homeowner. So Mm -hmm. we paid for her 50% interest in the property um, for cash she gave us the deed of trust. You can only do this with joint tenants yeah, um, because it's obviously divisible. Mm-hmm. Um, so we worked with her and then we were able to go back to the other homeowner and say, you know, we're now on title with you and we're going to need to work something out. Right. So we worked something out where she bought us out mm-hmm. and it was an extremely lucrative deal for us. So we've cool. tried to go after those ever since.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So we just got to find Properties where the wife and ex-wife run. Yeah, pilot. exactly. I don't know how you can exactly do that,
1: but or like brother and sister. Sometimes you oh, know. Yeah.
0: I can see that. I hate to see it, especially but, yeah. in probate.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. inherited properties.
0: Uh, and then you guys were on stage not too long ago talking about bulk uh-huh. deals. So what's that about?
1: Um, a few years ago, I did. I had a friend who um, was a commercial broker, and Mm -hmm. he had recently started working with people who wanted to liquidate portfolios, and um, he came to me because he knew we were trying to buy single-family homes, and so he ran a a package by me that was about 140 homes, and um, so we went through it, and we were like, okay, a few of these are deals. So we made an offer on the the whole package, and we made an offer on 60 of them, Mm -hmm. um, of which we we cherry picked the best ones, so we were mm-hmm. able to give a, a more like a better looking um, offer to them on those. And they took our offer on the sixty, mm-hmm. so we we did that deal. That was a really cool deal when we first started. Yeah, um, we wholesaled all but eleven of them. So there was a lot of moving parts because we had like yeah. eight different buyers,
0: sixty properties.
1: Yeah, exactly. We you had some eight,
0: really good TCs.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I actually cha- I was like no one else is touching this one. I I've got this Yeah, which I mean you have to make sure that because you've got all these people moving in the same direction You've got to make sure that everybody's gonna close at the same time Otherwise, we had our financing in place just mm-hmm. in case people didn't close because if one didn't we were in breach on all of them So yeah, it, it ended up working out. We did very well on the package So mm-hmm.
0: so on that 60 like what did you guys offer as part as as percentage of ARV?
1: It was so good at the time. Um, like we got this package at like seventy three percent or something mm-hmm. like that, and I think we sold them for like eighty.
0: Wow, it's not too shabby.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: Okay. And then so we were talking about interest buyouts, and you mentioned REO earlier. Is that the what? What's what's the REO we um, We were
1: we were just um, buying at the courthouse steps and okay, the um, trustee yeah, properties. Trustee okay, trustee properties.
0: All right. So uh, you mentioned you have fourteen working for you mm-hmm. what does your organization look like today
1: we've got five salespeople mm-hmm. or yeah five salespeople we've got one sales manager he's kind of the operations manager
0: salespeople meaning acquisition acquisition yeah, after the leads been scrubbed they're talking to the home exactly okay
1: okay so well we can start with marketing mm-hmm. um, we've got several different types of marketing that we do um, we've got a call center that um, it's we basically we also service other people, so mm-hmm. we have created a name for it, it's called Call Geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but we run our own cold calling in that as well. Um, we've got I think about five or six agents there. We also have another call center that we have outside of that, and we have about seven agents there. Okay. So we've got a bunch of cold calling going on. Um, we do some reverse or what do you call ringless voicemail, mm-hmm. and then we've got our website and um, a couple different other small types of marketing, but. Then all those leads come in and we do, uh, we have a, diff- a specific strategy on how we disposition those leads into our uh, sales floor. So yeah. um, th- they're, we're all virtual, so we're not doing much uh, in the way of going out and meeting with the homeowners. Yeah. We, we kind of have built our business to be able to do everything from our hub and then we disposition, or we uh, we send people out, boots on the ground to go and get pictures and stuff like that, but right. we do everything from our hub.
0: So, so um, who's taking the photos?
1: We have people, um, boots on the ground. So we've got a guy here who's a locksmith and he okay. also does our pictures. So okay. we give him a call, hey, go get pictures. But we usually do that after we get it in a contract. Right. We, we, go, we do everything based on seller stated information, yeah. so.
0: Okay, so you got five salespeople, one sales manager,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the locksmith, photographer guy. Yeah,
1: I, he's got his own operations, so okay. we just kind of work with him. So
0: who else is in the, in the organization?
1: So we've got that, and then we've got um, we've got a dispositions manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's the one that any investor. Oh, only... you
0: guys finally found somebody. It's not Jared anymore. It's
1: not Jared. Well, Jared t- tags t- tag okay. teams with him, but um, his name's Perry. Okay. Um, and he's got a lot of experience in this industry, so he jumped right in and he does very well. So that's who you're talking to if you call us to my yeah. house. And then um, we've got let's see, who else do we have? Oh, we've got Rhoda. Uh, she's She works with me on mm-hmm. all of our asset management. Um, she's my right hand. She helps me with everything. Um, she keeps, we keep our books up to date. She kind of just does everything with me. Yeah. And then she went to Houston with me and everything. So she's dealing with the contractors and she's crucial. And then we've got our transaction coordinator that we just hired. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's managing all the transactions. And then we have Kayla, and Kayla is our analyst. Okay. So
0: And that's, so she's our underwriter. Underwriter, right? yeah. And right. that's different than the disposition because isn't typically disposition underwriter the same hats? In
1: in most cases, yes. But um, a lot of our stuff doesn't actually get dispositioned outside the company. We mm-hmm. keep it. So we underwrite everything as though we're going to buy it. And gotcha. so she does that. And the dispositions is just purely uh, working with buyers and trying to grow the network of our company. So. Cool.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Houston. Uh, what other markets are you in?
1: Oh, so we're in Houston. That's where our long-term rental play is. So mm-hmm. everything we buy there, we buy it with the intent to rent it out. Um, and then we've been in California, both Southern and Northern California, which is a really tough, tough place to be. So we're kind of slowing down there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Vegas, Vegas has been very good for us. And then Phoenix.
0: Okay. Uh, so why is Houston the focus for buy and hold?
1: Um, so the uh, Hurricane Harvey, over a year ago, mm-hmm. provided uh, kind of an interesting net, uh, market out there right now. So you've got like all these larger businesses that are out there, so people, it's a strong economy, people need to live there, they have their um, their jobs there and everything. It's a huge metro. Yeah, it's huge, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so it provided a, an economy that People are still needing to live there and they'll spend the money to live there, but um, the homes kind of all kind of got destroyed. So mm-hmm. it was uh, a lot of supply and demand, uh, interesting stuff that was going on there, which allowed us to get in for, let's say, 60 to 70% of um, market value mm-hmm. and add value to it. And then we're sitting all in for about 75, 70 to 75% of ARV all yeah. in. So then you're renting it out. We, we bought this one deal for 88. We put 25 into it and we're gonna rent it out for 1800. So that kind of wow. gives you an idea of the pricing. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, so that's a good deal, but that's also not uncommon.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, you're, you're spending like 240, 250 out here
1: mm-hmm. to yeah. get, so get that So's half. Yeah, which is why, you know, we shifted our targets to Houston because yeah. that's a good home. I mean, we're buying that in 1990 builder newer, and so you know your capex is relatively manageable and Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: cool very cool um now i know that you guys have uh you mentioned earlier the you're outsourcing a couple of different uh functions so what services are you guys outsourcing at the moment or offering available
1: uh, offering available yeah Mm -hmm. um we have our call center that's really the only thing that's live right now we do Mm -hmm. um So we have 140 agents in uh, Mexico Mm -hmm. that are cold calling. And so um, we sell those on a bulk between three and five agents usually is the average for our clients that are Mm -hmm. buying. So people in our industry who um, want to work with a call center and that call center that understands their business. And uh, so we've been able to um, package up a pretty good package for those people. It's just a turnkey call center for them. Who's training them? Um, we partnered with Carlos and Sal. So mm-hmm. Carlos, Sal, Jared, they all go down there and they'll work with them. But, um, we have eight, for every, about 20 guys, there's a supervisor and a QA. So, um, and then they've got training all in-house. So we've trained yeah. them up.
0: Okay. And what is your monthly overhead for your operation?
1: It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, as a percentage. Sure. As a percentage, I'd say it is about 20, 20%.
0: Yeah. Um, And then some of the people that come into, you know, that uh, uh, I see posting and wholesaling houses full time with all these other groups is, you know, who to talk to, where to go for coaching, this or that. Is there any particular group, coaching, organization that you direct new people to, or what do you do?
1: Um, I don't usually. I'm not as out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean like in the networking and meeting with new wholesalers. Um so that question doesn't I don't get that very often. Um your best bet would be to just start talking to people yourself and mm-hmm. kind of learning this business i I don't know if you necessarily need to pay for coaching right you know you might want to pay to sit in a room at a round table and brainstorm with people Mm -hmm. but i don't know if for me i'm coming from a completely different place than most people in our business come from i was lucky enough to have a mentor Mm -hmm. so you know what i would pay for that i don't know if i necessarily have an answer but um I know that there are lots of good people out there offering yeah. coaching. <laughs>
0: there are a lot of people offering coaching. It's I would really just say hard. don't
1: spend your last dollar on it because yeah. y- put out some marketing and learn for yourself, you know.
0: School of Hard Knocks.
1: Yeah, it's exactly. Right. School of Hard Knocks.
0: Okay. Uh, is there any CRM tool or system that you could not live without?
1: Um, Podio. We use Podio, and we've, uh, we've got it pretty much down our Podio's – is a huge tool for us keeps us organized keeps us in front of sellers Mm -hmm. um we and also it's super customizable like it's nice that you can get into Globee flow and change all the things and Mm -hmm. really customize it on the spot for you so i know everybody uses that in our industry i I think it's good we've spent a lot of money on different crms Mm -hmm. i don't we did infusionsoft we spent I'd have to say probably 20 grand on it yeah and it was such a waste of money because it's it's no not as good as the simple podio tool that it's crazy
0: to me because you know uh, i i've gone through infusion soft i've gone through i've seen other people's sales for us i've seen all these other different crms you go through Podio, i was like this is really simple
1: yeah it's super simple and effective yeah it's crazy it's built on excel so i mean yeah if is it
0: i didn't know that yeah
1: Uh, that's what I'm told so and it's kind of clunky in parts but you can make it yeah but you can
0: make it do what you want it to do exactly there's no I haven't heard of any restrictions like oh you can't do that it's just like we have to figure out a way to make that happen
1: exactly and then also I mean QuickBooks for me like like I said we 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 really run our business based on numbers and knowing what our revenue is and making decisions based on what that is and what's manageable Mm -hmm. Um, QuickBooks is able to tell me that I've got some VAs that keep it up to date so Yeah. yeah
0: Uh, so going back to Podio, you guys customize it all on your own. You're not using InvestorFuse or anybody else's add-on.
1: Um, no, we actually, uh, worked with Sal, Sal, mm-hmm. um, and Jared and I, Sal pretty much built out the whole thing mm-hmm. and, um, he and Jared kind of worked to customize it to our business, uh, yeah. which was super helpful. Um, and then Globiflow, flow, you know, that sits on top of it. So yeah. we pretty much have just made it our own.
0: Probably doesn't hurt that Jared's a former engineer.
1: Yeah, no, Jared, no, yeah. and he is an engineer to a T. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, almost to a fault, he'll spend his, all of his time tinkering with things mm-hmm. to make it perfect. And it's like, go hire that done. Just tell him how you want it, you know?
0: It's a pain in the butt, but when it pays off, it really pays off. Yeah,
1: and he knows his business and his what he's doing left and right, so right. it's good.
0: Uh, what would you guys do if the market dips?
1: I think that our business, our, biz- our direct to homeowner acquisitions business is made for that type of a situation. Mm-hmm. Because rather than, I mean, our goal is to just fix and flip and buy and hold. And that's why we are, our direct to homeowner acquisitions can be retargeted from taking those um, investments in-house to just wholesaling them out to other people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we would just double down on wholesale.
0: So you're saying because you have the tool available like your whole operation is already geared towards it. Yeah. That it's just going to be better
1: I and think easier. it would just be better. I mean. I agree with you. I'm yeah.
0: just wanted to get your opinion. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. I would say that, you know, it's really also a, a good thing to be li- um, liquid in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hopefully I know that everybody's worried about a, a correction and all these things. And, um, you know. I think that working with the capital partners that we work with allows us to be liquid when we want to, you know, if that situation happens, hopefully capitalize on it mm-hmm. if you wanna purchase. But I think we would really shift more and, and double down on wholesale's gonna be great in that in that time, I think. Yeah,
0: I, I, I wholeheartedly agree and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, is there anybody you would recommend, Nathan Capps wants to know, uh, for customizing Podio, is there a resource that someone could look into if they need help customizing it?
1: Um, I mean, like I said, Sal, I know Sal and Carlos are offering uh, their services to help mm-hmm. build out Podio. I, w- I would say contact them. I okay. don't know what they're charging, but.
0: Yeah, and I think that's allinmarketing.com. And yeah. it's not that, it's something very much like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that, just call Sal. Yeah,
0: yeah Sal Shakir, S-H-A-K-I-R. Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now?
1: Biggest struggle right now is, um, hold on let me think personally in Houston um I learned that when I I just went there uh, because we just acquired a bunch of deals there and we want to start getting good and getting going on construction and it is scary out there honestly like there are you don't need a a license to GC projects and so um in Houston in Houston you don't need a license it's like the wild west
0: I thought we were the wild west (laughs) wow Texas
1: (laughs) and (laughs) so um it's it's like a whole nother um, thing out there. And so I would say that I'm struggling with trying to make sure that I don't want to make any moves there until I know I'm making the right moves. Mm -hmm. Clearly I've had some issues in construction, you know, so (laughs) I just, (laughs) yeah. And I don't want to just give all of our projects to one person. Mm -hmm. So trying to find the right course of action in Houston is probably my, my biggest struggle. Um, Also Jared and I struggle with trying to make this business completely passive for us. And so, it requires pulling us out and letting everybody, you know, fend for themselves mm-hmm. and we're way too hands-on, yeah. you know, so.
0: Well, it's a very tough business. Yeah. This one, I think, I think cause you're dealing with more emotions and more people. I mean, we already know that real estate is the most stressful, one of the most stressful events of someone's life.
1: Yeah. No, I know you only buy or sell a home a couple times. Right. And so and people so are stressed as it is.
0: And so you, when you're doing 10 or 20 or 30, yeah. you're doing 30 of those a month, it only takes a few to lose their mind. Yeah for it to throw a wrench in everything.
1: Yeah. And I just, I, I hate seeing my people stress in my business. For some reason I just, I, sometimes I, I try to fix, you Uh know, and so I struggle with just removing myself and letting it, the machine run on its own and, you know, believing in our people enough. I I believe in them, but I always feel like there's education we can give to them and stuff. It's the mom kicking in. Yeah, exactly. What
0: (laughs) is your superpower?
1: My superpower. Um, I think that after doing as many deals as I've done and seeing as many situations as I have, um, just I would say that I don't say no to anything. I Or I don't, let me rephrase that. I don't, um, I find a way to get it all done always, mm-hmm. I guess. Like if someone comes to me with a problem, I'm not gonna ever say, no, this isn't doable. And I hate that when people, like lawyers, they like to say no, like you can't do that well no you need to tell me how you know so i would say that that's my superpower and and people always would say that they come to me to problem solve and uh, try to find a way like i said to do it ethically Mm -hmm. don't cut corners through it and, and just get it done so
0: so creative solutions creative solutions and i think that is ultimately what we get paid for So that's a great thing to have for a superpower.
1: In wholesale and direct to homeowner acquisitions, homeowners want to bring you their problem and Mm -hmm. like fix it for me and that's what we do. That's
0: awesome. Uh, What is the greatest lesson you've
1: learned? Greatest lesson? um, I would say that we, like I said, we've spent a lot of money on let me think here we've spent a lot of money on things in our business that aren't really going toward our end goal Mm -hmm. and so especially for people who are just starting just figure out what your end goal is and or like what you if you're 10 years down the road what would really make you happy to see and then back out and make a plan from there and don't let yourself get um distracted by quick money and by the shiny objects that are all around us.
0: It's really, really easy to get distracted. In this
1: yeah, business. It, it is. And I mean, people do it every day and, yeah. and I like, I'm coming from a place that where that I, I worked for somebody who literally came here on a shiny object yeah. syndrome, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know, I just, I, I put my nose to the ground and just work my butt off and I don't really get distracted by that stuff. So.
0: Uh, what is your favorite, best or most interesting failure?
1: Mm. I mean the the contractor was a huge failure. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's probably it.
0: Yeah. Uh, and what book have you gifted more than any other?
1: I gifted um, how to Win Friends and Influence People to mm-hmm. a few people. Yeah um, yeah, I think that's a good book.
0: that's a great book. Um, and then the last question is why do you think... So many people have a hard time making it in wholesaling and flipping.
1: Uh, Going back to the shiny object syndrome thing. I think that if that people, I like Grant Cardone's rule of 10 X, you know, you go into something and you think that it's going to be, I mean, not everybody thinks it's easy, but it's always 10 times harder, 10 times more work, just 10 times Mm -hmm. everything that you think to, to get to where you want to be. So, um, that is what I would say.
0: (laughs) I would say for myself, the, um, 10x is probably not a big enough number.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Because <laughs> for me, I, I think everything's going to be easy. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Didn't see that one. Oh, that's another problem. So, yeah, that's a very interesting uh, point. <laughs> so uh, this is awesome. What's, it's been great. What is the best way for one of our listeners to get hold of you uh, if they had a question or a follow-up question? Just call me. Okay.
1: I'll put my number in the, in the, the, in the comments. comments below? Yeah, call me or Perfect. text me anytime.
0: Awesome. Uh, And again, guys, if you like the show, please share this episode right now. And uh, we actually don't have a guest for next week, so we're going to have to figure that one out. Hmm. Uh, But we will be here Wednesday at 2. We just don't know who the guest is yet. So thank you, guys, and thank you. This was awesome. Thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: Appreciate it.